welcome to the Franchise You Podcast, where key industry leaders provide education and inspiration. Here's your host, Dr. Kathy Gosser, the director of the Yum Center for Global Franchise Excellence at the University of Louisville. And welcome to another episode of Franchise You. With me today, I have Paul Pickett, and Paul is the Chief Development Officer and the Executive Vice President of Franchising at Wild Birds Unlimited. And what's really interesting about Paul is he has been there for over 33 years. That is a long time. So Paul, you earned your degree from North Dakota um, in biology and ornithology, so I can't wait to talk about that. You are so well-suited to work at Wild Birds Unlimited. So welcome, and let's talk about your journey. Thank you. It's an honor to be here. I appreciate it very much. It's great to have you. So first, your degree in ornithology. I was so fascinated by that because that's the scientific study of birds. So tell us a bit about what you studied and how it really prepared you to work for Wild Birds Unlimited. I thought I'd actually get a PhD um, and, and go into academia. That was what my intent was until I saw too many people graduating with PhDs working in well, back then it was Dayton Hudson's. Um, now it's all under the target, but working like selling towels, which is a great job for some people. But I'm like PhD and starting salaries back in the late 80s were, you know, um, if you went into academia, it's like you're going to be making $12,000 a year. Mm-hmm. And as much as I love that field, I knew that it probably would not suffice, you know, just goals and hopes and wanted to have a more productive and interesting life. And that would have been a limiting factor. So Yes. Yes, I can see that. So in ornithology, like, do you study every single bird? This is fascinating to me. Usually you pick a specific thing to study, whatever that is, ecology, breeding behavior, genetics. Mm -hmm. Um, I worked for a professor who had had a long-term study on the spotted sandpiper, which is a polyandrous species and that the females are, it is very unique. Most birds are monogamous. Mm -hmm. Some birds are are, are polyandrous or polygamous. And that there's like one male with a, uh, I hope this isn't misogynistic, but a harem. Yes. Spotted sandpipers, the females have a harem of males. They lay their eggs. The males sit on the eggs, take care of the babies and do all the parental care. So it's really a unique species. What I was studying was the hormonal control of breeding behavior in the polyandrous spotted sandpiper. That is a mouthful. Um, Wow. But it's just so unique. So we were able to do it. We were one of the first groups to ever show where a female of a a warm-blooded species had higher testosterone levels. Males had higher prolactin levels. So it was a fully sexual reversed uh, species. But to your point, (laughs) how did this prepare? Science and business are very much the same. There's, you know, you have a null hypothesis. Like in business, is this brand, is this going to work? Or is this, like for us, is this product line going to work? You figure it out. You make all the decisions. You do the study. You bring it in. You do different displays, different marketing. In a scientific study, you have, you think of your sample size and you have different test groups. And then it's data analysis. And then you make decisions and then you figure out how it scales. So it's not that different, really. And if you look at economic graphs, you know, supply and demand mirror identical in ecology, like predator prey. So when there's more predators, you know, the prey goes down. It's just supply and demand. The the charts, the angles, the slope of the line, identical in economics and ecological studies. 
Okay, that is fascinating. And I promise only one more bird question because I'm so interested. Where did you find those birds? Well, uh, the spotted sandpiper, pretty common bird all across the United States and Canada. A lot of the sandpipers breed in the middle of the country. So I did my research. I'm from Minnesota originally, went to school in North Dakota, but the study site was on an island. I lived in an island for six summers, studying birds, living in a tent. Um, and they were in northern Minnesota in Leech Lake. Okay, that is fascinating. But let's get back to franchising. So you study okay, all right. of that. What was your first job at WBU? I think when I was hired back in 1989, my title was franchise assistant. Oh. Which I was the first employee. And yeah, I did everything. I um, talked to candidates. Back then, there was no page maker, which is probably old now too. But you know, you did cut and paste with glue sticks on ad slicks um, to create ads. Yeah. I did store consulting. I did FDD management. I did, well, you know, when it's a small brand new company, you do it all. Clean the cat box, made coffee. Vacuum. Exactly. <laughs> you know, it, it's, it's interesting. I always tell my students, it's great to work for small companies as well as a large, because as a small, you can go broad and you do it all. It's just, just as you've described. So what's kept you at Wild Birds Unlimited for 33 years? The culture of the company. Uh, and I mean, it's doing something that I'm passionate about personally, right? I've always been a bird guy, always loved nature, always loved the outdoors. But this company is just so wonderful. Uh, we're very well treated. We're respected. Family priorities always come first. And there's never a question about that. And it's just so joyful. You know, it's all so positive. And, you know, it's challenging like every other job and business and career. But those challenges always um, end up making you better. And the ability to continuously learn is just ingrained in our culture. And the respect, transparency, embracement of diversity in this company is just amazing. These are my best friends yeah. here or I work with. Oh, I just love to hear all of that. The culture and the having the friends there makes a difference. And so your role today is chief development officer and the EVP of franchising. So I read that you describe it as bringing people and nature together. Can you tell us a little bit more about what you do in both roles? When I got the new title, which was recently uh, added the addition of EVP of franchising, it was uh, my job description didn't change at all. It's just that uh, Jim Carpenter, our founder and CEO, and his wife Nancy were like, you do all this other stuff, but it, it's not what a typical CDO would do. And so I've always managed, and this has just been a tradition in our company, is, you know, development. The development department brings new people in, but they're also responsible for the exit. Now, the goal is that that exit is, is that someone has had the business, they've grown the business, great, they sell it to somebody new when they're ready to retire. Mm -hmm. That's a positive thing. The other one is, God forbid, and it does happen, stores close. You have to manage that. It puts an onus on the development team to make sure that the people that are bringing in are the right people and are going to stay with you because otherwise it's really difficult if they have to leave in a negative way. You know, that makes total sense because it also, not that you wouldn't always be just very particular about who you bring in, but it adds a different level of accountability. Yeah, well, it, it, the other thing, is, and I say this all the time, I think it's I should be a mandate that every whatever, VP of development, CDO, whatever the position is, should be best friends with the uh, chief operating officer and the head of co and, uh, and slash coaching, because then it makes uh, hanging out with your besties really uncomfortable if you do a churn and burn style of development and just Correct. bring everybody in that can, that can fog the mirror and sign the check. 
Correct. And churn and burn is not a sustainable proposition in franchising. That's for sure. So let's talk about Wild Birds Unlimited. Um, So I think I told you over the weekend, my husband and I visited one of the stores. We were so impressed. And so WBU, you have franchise retail stores and you sell bird feeders, bird seed and nature related gifts and a lot more. You have a ton in those stores and they're beautiful, by the way. So um, it was started in 1981 by Jim Carpenter, who's still leading it. And he opened the first store in Indianapolis. And what I read was he wanted to help people attract birds and nature. So he studied how backyard birds like to feed and he developed products and feed for this. And he wanted to bring joy into customers' lives through their backyard experiences. And you know what? I think he's done that. Yeah, just, I mean, the smile on your face when you were telling me about the new feeder and the birds. And it's great. I mean, it is such a positive thing. I mean, it's, you ask our franchisees, what's the favorite part of their business? And I mean, it's almost a hundred percent. They say just the engagement with the customers. Oh my gosh. Like the we stories, would infer- the, oh. oh gosh, I could break your heart time and time again about these wonderful heart-wrenching stories about what birds have done for people's lives, giving them inspiration and motivation and the happiness of sharing, you know, nesting bluebirds with their grandchildren. And- and- And, you know, going into your store is like, I thought, oh, we'll go in for just a few minutes. It was an hour long experience and we loved every minute of it. So um, I think that Jim has reached his goal and you've definitely been there by his side because in 83, he started franchising. And so you are the original and largest franchise system with backyard feeding and nature specialty stores. Uh, You have more than 350 locations. And Jim's wife, Nancy, now is active in the company. I read that she loves to train and she's quite the artist. She so, yes, and she is not as active in the company any anymore. Um, for many, I mean, she's foundational to our culture, our support. And then when they started their family, Nancy backed away. She still has a big role in the the culture side of the business, but she doesn't have a a day to day role like she used to when I first started. But that culture is critical, and bringing that family culture to the business is so important. One of the things I noticed is that your website has incredible resources. Like you have a section called Get Close to Nature and you have videos and information available. Tell us why you do that. Any business, I mean, you have to have your differentiators, right? Like why would people buy from Wild Birds Unlimited versus going to a hardware store or a garden center or a a big box? And it's all about the education. It's all about going to that next level providing education and creating a customer experience, as you just talked about, that is beyond expectation. Bird feeding is a hobby, right? And people want to hang out with other hobbyists. And so our stores actually create a true community that revolves around a shared love and interest in nature and making a difference in the world around you. And it's so tangible, right? I mean, that's the thing. You know, you can write a check to wonderful organizations, don't get me wrong, the Sierra Club, uh, Nature Conservancy, but to actually go and do it in your own backyard and actually see the baby birds coming in with their parents, watching the migrants come through in the spring and the fall that are unique, that aren't there every year, it really is so tangible and it really cements that relationship between the community and this store, more than just a store. 
It totally is. I totally agree with that. And unfortunately, the closest one to me is over an hour away, but it was still definitely not for long, young lady, not for long. We're working (laughs) on that right now. I'm excited to hear that. We can't wait. We'll be uh, I want to be one of the first customers for sure. But you also have a podcast, um, Nature Centered. And I loved it when I listened to one about um, it starts with the chirping birds. I just love that. But it's all about feeding the birds and enjoying nature in your own backyard. You want to talk a little bit about why you all are doing this podcast? You know, we had talked about doing a podcast like this forever. And, and you know how these things are great ideas. They just yes. don't all get implemented right away. And then it became so clear, the pandemic, where people are can't shop in our stores. People are, they're so excited to be doing something in their own backyard and making a difference and engaging. And digital media, at, you know, exploded at that time. Um, it was time to start doing the podcast. And it has now become like one of the top five downloaded podcasts out there. I mean, the traction has been amazing. Oh my gosh, that's great. Yeah. So it's been really, really successful. And we focus really on the education side there and not on the store promotion because we know that the more you educate people about the brand, that's the way to differentiate yourself much deeper than the price point or a promotion. Just giving people more information and they get more excited about the hobby. Well, I agree. And I think it's a great, it's a great podcast. So, so well done. And on that note, Wild Birds Unlimited, you have won so many awards. And I know whenever I look at the list of the top franchises, WBU is right up there. And you just won a few recently, Franchise Update Media revealed their 2022 Innovation Award winners. And you were the overall winner in marketing and branding, as well as a finalist in several other categories. Why don't you brag about that for a moment? I would love to brag about that because it's not about anything I did, which is great, which is so I'm bragging about what our team did. And so we received one the first year they did it on just innovative support during COVID on all the stuff that we did. Another one on supply chain issues and figuring out a way to manage through some of that. And then this year, uh, we won three individual awards, one in the operations and technology section, which is just innovative support. We had a very weird, you may have heard of it because it did affect Kentucky a bit, the mysterious bird illness that they've never quite nailed down. I have my own opinion on what that was, but it was an awful situation. And then, um, I hate to talk about these bad things, but avian flu and just that support that we provided to our franchisees to engage with the media to explain what this was all about and what we were doing about it and managing through on keeping your feeders clean and having a healthy engagement with the hobby. So we want to work there. And the other one, uh, best digital campaign, working with our a great digital marketing partner, Location 3, and really connecting first with digital marketing, mm-hmm. traditional digital marketing, you know, pay-per-click ads and, and Facebook ads through the pandemic, and then layering on connected television, doing something really innovative, which worked like a charm. So we got that digital award, but that put us in play for the overall. And we also got one for best campaign with a limited budget and they crushed it. And my franchisees crushed it. Well, congratulations. That, I love to, I love to read all that. So I was very anxious to talk to you and let's move over to the topic of franchising. So mm-hmm. the first, the first requirement, and by the way, I love all the play on the bird words throughout your website. It's just fascinating. But so the first requirement to join our flock or becoming yeah. a franchisee is to be a bird and nature enthusiast. And you yeah. write that you have to be passionate about introducing your community to the joys of backyard feeding and becoming a nature hobbyist. Why is passion for the business number one on your list? 
They say water flows downhill, right? And so you, our stores, we talked about this earlier, the customer experience, the focus on education and communication and engagement, you need that base love of birds and nature. Now, you don't have to be an expert by any means, but you need that in order to have that feeling and that culture in the store. So even when we have owners who have eight stores across the country, they may not be in their store, but that culture that they bring to the table, that passion that they bring to the table, it has to have a root in, and one, one of the major trunks are in love of birds, love of nature, love of helping people. Then the other one is the passion for growing the business and having it mm -hmm. scaled and knowing that if you don't manage the business like a business enterprise and focus on your team, number one, your metrics, your decisions, you can't continue to fulfill that other passion of bringing people and nature together. That makes sense. And that's probably what your most successful franchisees do is they have both of those. And that really does make a difference from a consumer because the consumer's viewpoint, many people are interested in birds, but don't know enough about them. So they go into WBU and it was like, for us, it was an experience where we learned so much and what are the best feeders and what's the best. Food. And, you know, I just thought there was, I'll be honest, I thought there was just bird seed. Oh no, there are many different types of bird seed and the ones you have are the most important. And as I, as I told you earlier, our neighbors have a feeder and all the birds now are in our yard because we bought the nice, great feed that you have. So there's a difference. There is a difference. And we have all these other foods, you know, the suet, peanuts, yes. uh, bark butter, which is a proprietary product that Jim Carpenter um, designed and came up with the recipe and then scaled so that it could be made for everybody. Uh, and, and distributed everywhere. The hot pepper stuff. I mean, it's. We got uh, a hot pepper suet. And one of the things I didn't know is that birds cannot taste the hot pepper, but it will keep the others away from it. That was fascinating. Yep. Squirrels and chipmunks and other backyard critters, they call them, you know, raccoons, possums, things like that, that may in fact have gone after regular suet, wouldn't go after the, don't go after the hot pepper. So. so interesting. So interesting. So why did Jim decide to go to a franchise model? I think, uh, well, what I know is people asked him about what he's doing. They saw the smile on his face. And it was actually his first franchisee was the nephew of one of Jim's first employees. And uh -huh. he would come down and visit his uncle and just say, oh, my gosh, he's so happy. And just said, I hate my job. I I do really well, but I just don't have any enjoyment. I want to do something that I can make a sustainable living at, but also that I like getting up in the morning and going there. And Jim wasn't ready to go and just do company stores. And he really felt that that local expert, because I mean, really, you're in Louisville. The birds in Louisville are a little different than the birds in Indianapolis. And even in Indianapolis, depending on where the store is and, and you know whether you're in the city in a forested area or your stores out in more of a newish suburban area, there's going to be little subtle differences. And having that local expert there can really make a big difference. We did only owner-operated stores for many years and then uh, developed the tools for our franchisees to then train their team. And then they were able to scale it. And now we've got tons of multi-unit operators. That is fascinating about the differences. Um, one of the things that was really impressive to me is the comprehensive checklist you have put together for a potential franchisee. And I don't think I've seen anything like that. Can you explain why you created such a tool and the success that you've seen with it? 
Yeah, I will. Number one, I will uh, give credit where credit's due. I got the idea from Bob Gappa for Management 2000 many, many years ago. Um, and I had started one and it, it was okay. A couple pages and just kind of gave the highlights. But what happened? Call with a candidate. They're like, how are you? Um, how was your weekend? And he said, well, it was, I would have loved to have gone outside. And I'm like, why? What do you mean? And he goes, I worked on my business plan all weekend. And I said, what do you mean? He goes, well, I wrote a business plan. It took me all weekend. And I'm like, um, you know that we give you an example business plan in Word that you can edit. And he's like, what? Oh my gosh. So he had written about a 30 page business plan. We provide a 45 page one where you fill in the blanks. And I mean, you have to add your own things, right? And I'm like, go back to that sheet that you downloaded. And he's like, I haven't looked at that forever. And I said, immediately, that's never going to happen again. I am taking this document and I am blowing it up and I'm going to provide it to everybody, whether you're a candidate or not. And I want you to go into this knowing that there is a roadmap because it also, I've had candidates who say, I don't want to write a business plan. I'm self-financing. I'm like, well, mm -hmm. then we're not in a position to feel comfortable giving right. you, awarding you a franchise if you don't have a plan. Correct. And so it sets up expectations from day one. You know, everyone loves surprises when you win something big. That's the yeah. only thing. Surprises usually. I just set my expectations very clearly when possible and provide people with those resources and tools so that they know what they're looking at. Well, Paul, you've done that. It, it is impressive. And so as per usual, I had a little fun digging into your FDD and pulled out a, pulled out a few interesting a nerd. I am. I read, I read them like some people read a juicy novel. But um I found, of them here. I know it's crazy. A few interesting things I found out. So you have a my WBU store that that's e-commerce. Can you tell us how that works for a franchisee, like the process and the reason they pay initially and then each month, but what it does for them. Can you just talk about that? Obviously, e-commerce was blowing up and we had done other things where we had one big e-commerce site and then the orders had to get individually parsed out to the franchisee. We don't supply any of the products. We do not get in the middle of their retail customer relationship. We did not want to take that on and compete with our franchisees. So we had that first model, a lot of work, not all that successful. And it did not allow the entrepreneurial spirit of the individual franchise store owner to promote it because it was just a big overlapping umbrella site for the whole continent. Um, one for us, one for Canada, because we had to have separate ones because of pricing differences. So Jim, working very closely with our IT team, developed the MyWBU model where every franchisee has their own licensed site. We own all the software. We went out to look at, see if we could take one and customize it for us. And we no, no solution worked well. So we had to work through our loyalty program and gift card. There's just a lot of complexities with our brand mm -hmm. that we didn't want to have to cave on. And so we developed our own. And so each franchisee has theirs. They then have a huge array of products, the branded products that they can bring on. And then they locally price, of course. And as a consumer, you would pick your home store and that's where you order from. Gotcha. Okay. Cause they talked about that with me was something they were out of at the moment. So that yeah. makes sense. And that also probably ties into 
um, the Daily Savings Club, the Customer Loyalty Program that, of course, I signed up for. And so were franchisees obligated to have that? Is that something that's common? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is. It is ubiquitous across our system. Got you. And is that one of the, that might also be one of the reasons that you specify the particular type of point of sale that has to be purchased? Yes. And we are going through a huge migration right now. We're right in the middle of it with a brand new point of sale. Uh, and it's so much fun. And our, I, yeah. I mean, our team is, is doing a great job. There are bugs, there are misses here and there, but our franchisees have embraced it mainly, mostly. And mm-hmm. we're about a third of the way through. Um, and by the end of the year, we'll have 100% of our franchisees on that platform. That's so, a big deal. Now, brand new platform is never fun, especially when you're running a busy retail store. I mean, right? I mean, it is really, really hard. So you just have to do as much training and communication. And just when you think you've done enough, you know that you haven't done even close to enough. Um, I'll tell you, reading through your FDD and the training you provide, it is extensive. That is impressive. And it's hard to believe our time is coming to an end. So I have two last questions. One is you've had a great career. Gosh, 33 years at Wild Birds Unlimited is just amazing. What is the one thing you are most proud of? I I think the, the first thing that comes to mind is just my tiny, tiny little piece in this puzzle, having so many people who have now realized their dream of self-employment and doing something that they're happy, but then how many customers have been reached by Wild Birds Unlimited and my, again, tiny role in the growth and development of the company that impacted so many lives and so many birds and it just came up with so many smiles. That would be what I am the most proud of. You are quite modest because you've done a ton of that yourself. Well, no, I mean, it it takes a whole village. There are a ton of other people here who have been here nearly as long as I have, who have just done an amazing job, amazing work of developing this brand. That's true. So, and the last question is, is there anything you wish you had known when you first embarked into the world of franchising? Um, You know what? I honestly would say that I don't think I would have done anything differently if I had known anything different. I have learned the law just through, you know, sweat equity. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, my I, I love the law and I love contract law. I know total geek. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, having a JD would have been nice coming into this had I known, but who would have ever guessed that this would be where I would be? You know what I mean? I really didn't think this was what my life was going to turn into and thank heavens it did. But yes. um, yeah, so I, you know what? I honestly would say no. I mean, the the stuff that I came to the table with, which is, you know, I mean, I'm sure there are others who would disagree with this, especially my husband, but um, I, you know, my communication skills, I think are pretty strong. Very strong. Uh, well, I, yeah, loud, if nothing else. Um, my love of people and love of nature and love of seeing other people shine around you, that, that's, that's, that's my parents. Not, that's not me. Mm-hmm. That's my parents. So I can't say that there was any one specific thing that I wished I had. Well, you've done particularly well in this world of franchising. You touched on something. Knowing all the legalities is important. And you learned that along the way. Yeah. That is something we try to teach a lot here at our center. But Paul, I can't thank you enough. I could talk to you oh. forever about WBU <laughs> and what a wonderful success story it is. So I thank you very much for your time today. Thank you. Franchise You is brought to you by the Yum Center for Global Franchise Excellence at the University of Louisville. For more information on the center, visit business.louisville.edu slash yumcgfe. 
Thank you for listening to Franchise You.